What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Give yourself a delicious escape from the afternoon with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Today, my guest is Scott Kundel, founder and CEO of Sox Entertainment. Kundel made a career in Hollywood out of being one of those executives who is indispensable to any big media company. He became an expert in making it rain or selling top-tier content to the highest bidders around the world. This job description can be opaque, head of sales, leader of distribution, but the mission is simple, monetization. Kundel was a key rainmaker at CBS and at Paramount Pictures before that. Amid the post-Leslie Moonves shakeup at CBS in 2018, Kundel headed for the exit with the vision of finally letting his inner entrepreneur run free. His company helped bring Judge Judith Scheinlin to a new bench presiding over the daily Judy Justice Court show for Amazon's freebie. He's done a lot of behind-the-scenes work advising friends and clients on how to value media assets in this changing environment. That work also gives him great insight into where the hockey puck is headed. That's all coming up after the break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, 
Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. And we're back with a frank discussion of where the money is in TV with Sox Entertainment founder Scott Kundel. You've been out there in the trenches as an entrepreneur with Sox Entertainment for the past couple of years after a very long career at CBS and Paramount. I guess I want to start by asking you, as you are out there putting together shows and deals and packages and consulting as you do on a lot of high-level media strategy, where where do you see the most opportunity in the business for content creators, content owners? Where do you see, where do you, where are you getting traction right now as you are out selling different packages and things? Well, it's more, uh, it's about producing efficiently. It's about giving volume. You know, a lot of the companies right now um, are, have an advertising model as well as a subscription model. Um, And it's probably a necessity because I think people want to get as much content as possible and they can only afford a certain amount. So they'll make some sacrifices to watch things with ads in it to get a lower price. And, by, and for the bigger companies, I think they need to monetize their content with advertising. And also, you know, it's been talked about, and you've written about it, everyone's kind of written about it, it's the prices have really escalated and there is somewhat of an arms race in terms of content spending. So, um, you know, 
sure I'd like to sell a show for, you know, fourteen, fifteen million dollars an, <laughs> an hour, but I like the idea of producing shows that potentially will people could binge on it. It's advertiser friendly. People want to put it without ads on um, in the subscription model. That also has a back end, a viable back end that I could distribute. And so for my company's business model, and I could talk about how I approach the business, I'm looking for as many paths to generate revenue for my company. So it's not just like selling a show and getting an EP fee and getting paid as an executive producer. It's about representing other pieces of the puzzle, whether it's the IP or a talent or a writer or showrunner producer in having some sort of arrangement with them where I could get a, a piece of what I'm, you know, rep in representing them in, in this project, uh, producing it, and then having back-end distribution rights or format rights, and then profit participation. Mm -hmm. So for me, a lot of what I do is, you know, I, you know, people say, oh, you're a producer now, and I kind of laugh humbly because there are real producers out there who are, you know, in the control room and on the floor and getting into the, you know, uh, nuts and bolts of making TV. Picking and, the shades of the curtains yeah, in the set. Yeah, and sometimes I joke around saying, yeah, the biggest decision I make is what to order for lunch. So when people ask me, you're a producer, what do you produce? I, my answer usually is, I produce money. <laughs> which is what, which is no matter what, even the last couple of years, there's been a few departures from that. No matter what, money is what makes the mm -hmm. biz in showbiz go round. The big thing that evolved and changed the business was the volume of business and putting people to work. And I think agents did a very good job of capitalizing on it, but you know, will those big paydays of what Dick Wolf gets mm -hmm. um, or David E. Kelly, yes, it did seem like it was going in a different direction based on the leverage and all the spending that was being done. Not to mention the fact that there was more data through the streamers. And if you look at a lot of the you know, shows on some of the streamers, they typically weren't going more than three seasons. Right. And because they wanted to spend their money to provide new shows that gave people a reason to subscribe that they could market. Mm -hmm. um, they've done, they've outsmarted the industry. This is what I will say. I would say the streaming companies, you know, put aside the ones that are in other businesses that, you know, this is like a, a side business, and I'm obviously talking about Apple and Amazon. Amazon yeah. uh, they outsmarted the business because they had real numbers, they knew how to use that data to their advantage. And traditional media companies aren't judged the same way to Wall Street the way the streaming companies were, you know, and, um, so they're playing by a different set of rules, and it made it very, very hard for them to compete. And the streaming companies were also very smart of identifying who were the talented people in old media and getting them. Yeah. So uh, do I think it'll switch? Well, certainly it'll switch with big talent. The, you know, the leverage will revert and you know, they'll demand back end and, and certain rights. Um, and then they might, you know, a big talent might opt to go with a 
second tier streaming service, which they are getting that back end, that talent that goes there creates a monster hit. And the people, the bigger tier one companies are saying, we blew this, look what this could have done for us. Now we put these other guys on the map. Mm -hmm. So I think that is a scenario that could very well happen. Mm -hmm. Does it does it seem to you like the sort of right the, the the return of advertising into the into the conversation about streaming is opening? It would seem like it would have to be open doors for more entrepreneurial efforts and more different forms of of content licensing versus the cost plus that has been the the norm, if you can call it the norm, over the last certainly you know five six years. Yeah, I mean what's happening is is that. I think when streaming first started, it was very niche, and then now it's becoming more, you know, as they have so many subscribers, it's broad, like like broadcasting. And they've also have done things and gotten viewers. You know, I remember when Disney was out selling Grey's Anatomy. They couldn't, you know, they sold it basically to themselves at Lifetime, and no one watched it. It was a lot of money, and yet my daughter, who's, you know, a, you know, a teenager, is watching Grey's Anatomy on Netflix. Uh, was watching it before she went away to college. And I'm saying they've been able to do things in a way and get viewers to watch things that traditional linear television was not able to do. And I think it's about marketing and understanding the audience. And um, it's where they've won. Because in that first deal they did, they probably got a sweetheart deal on what they paid for. Um, so it's that type of insight that is they're just smarter. You had a long career at Paramount and then CBS. What made you decide that the okay. time was right to launch Sox Entertainment? Well, well, truth be told, I looked at where the business was going and I was in the most uncertainty. I wasn't uncertain where the business was going, that streaming was going to be as big as it was. I really, I got CBS did the streaming business with that first Netflix deal, then we did an Amazon deal, we did a Hulu. I, I knew that we had to be in that business. It was really no, knowing where the, my company was going and whether or not I wanted to participate in it. So we, um, in 18, were post-emerge with uh, Viacom, as you know, then we ended up suing a controlling shareholder. Um, Much drama ensued. There was a lot of drama and I had worked, I was probably one of the only people, with a, one of the very few people who worked on both sides. I was a head of distribution and president of uh, Paramount Distribution, and then I went on the CBS side. I did this, you know, round of division, and then eventually elevated to corporate, but I knew the players on both sides, and from where I was, unless I knew for sure that I was gonna be controlling the whole empire on both sides, meaning all the content and licensing and distribution. A, I didn't want to get involved in that dogfight because we know what happens in, in mergers. And B, I was being asked by, at a very high level, at, a, at one of the major companies, not a traditional media company, about how I'd go about licensing their stuff. And when I heard that and heard there was an opportunity and they were, then they went, they went to try and hire me, I said, there's no way I would ever go back for that type of job just doing that, but it, maybe I'd launch my own company and you would be my first client and I would exclusively 
sell your um, sell your um, product exclusively for like a year and a half. And that's when my head started going spinning, saying I really probably should start my own company. And um, that the conversations began with one very large uh, company, and then I had different ideas. The RSNs were be, had to be spun off from Disney during the, with the merger with Fox, and I was in play to potentially buy them. As I'm a huge sports fan, I saw sports gambling. That was one thing that I thought was going to happen, and it, obviously it's arrived and it's there. And one of the biggest advertising clients right now for these companies are mm -hmm. DraftKings and all these uh, sports uh, betting companies. So I pivoted in my head again, and this is about like how am I going to make the most amount of money? And so I, you know, was in, very involved in that. I was working with a bank, and everything just happened very, very quickly. I wasn't sure what avenue I was going to go into. Could I buy? A, could I actually buy a network if I can't buy the RSNs? Um, but I was thinking very, very big, and then the pandemic hit, and. It was the last year at CBS was like kind of like, you know, a rough year. We weren't, we were paralyzed. We were paralyzed by the lawsuit, paralyzed by a potential merger. Uh, we were growing CBS All Access. There was confusion on what should go on the service and what we should license. And I like to work and I like to make money. And when you put me in a position where I'm being paralyzed is not the state that I want to be in. Um, I, you know, you know, I was watching the movie the other night. There was a line in the movie Munich. You know, what, 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 what do you fear? And I think Eric Banner said something like "stillness" was the line there in, the, in that movie. And, and I'm that's kind of how I am. I wanted to keep moving, and um, and so I went out and I looked at like what are the big pieces that could help move my company. And I just started to talk about. Uh, I was involved with a comic book, book company, AfterShock, on representing their rights to, in their IP. Uh, Judy picked up the phone and called me and said, would I want to distribute a show because she didn't want to be at CBS anymore because their negotiations, I guess, fell apart, um, which I was reticent to do because I worked at CBS and, you know, uh, I didn't want to be perceived as taking their, you know, talent from them. Don't leave us. We'll be back with more Tales from the Trenches from Sox Entertainment founder Scott Kundel. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. We're back with more from Sox Entertainment founder Scott Kundell. Given that the regional sports networks that were spun off from as part of the Fox Disney deal, given that those appear to have one foot in bankruptcy, do you feel like you dodged a bullet there? I was trying to, to have as a partner a, a different type of company. And, in, and knowing what this company is now doing with a very big sports franchise, that was the right, I think I had it right. Mm-hmm. I think that the model with Sinclair's doing right now is very, very difficult. Um, and, the, you know, not just the advertising part of it, but the rates they're getting, they, you know, they have no leverage. And the MVVDs, the bundle's going away. Right. The, it's basically an old school, we're going to use our stations to, and the sports to clobber, clobber cable yeah. operators over I the head. Di- I had a different model. I had a different mm-hmm. partner that partner ended up being a little bit in that business and is a partner on one RSN and my model was different than the traditional model. I believe that it would have worked and would have thrived and in in that sense I wouldn't have been dodging the the bullet. Going out and raising, you know, billions of dollars and owning them like Sinclair does, yes, that would have been a mistake. And And I saw that when the opportunity dissipated with the one other buyer um, to be a partner in it, I then pivoted to you know, two or three different opportunities. Can you talk about what you learned in dealing with Netflix at that time, 2014, 2015? What was, it, what was it like dealing with Netflix and setting that deal? What did you learn about the streaming economy at that time? Well, Money was gushing yeah. out of the, the faucets I mean, at the I, company, I spent, right? People thought, you know, early on when I finally convinced management at, at CBS that we should be licensing streaming companies, at the same time when Jeff Bukas was calling Netflix the Albanian army. <laughs> As if the Albanian army was going to yeah. come up and take over Europe, um, right? When I, when I saw that opportunity and I saw that, that what they were willing to spend in to build a service, um, I was spending a lot of time there. Like, the, you know, I'd... And they also had really great free food on Maple <laughs> Drive. So I was going there every day. That's and old school lunch. Netflix before Hollywood, yeah. yeah. And um, so I spent a lot of time there, and I knew that they wanted to get as much content and make the service valuable to a subscriber. And so, from my standpoint, is what could I put on there and have, you know, non-exclusive rights? Because 
CBS was very protective about their rights. Mm -hmm. And initially we did a very, you know, lucrative output deal as well as a, a catalog deal. Um, the C, that was first. Then there was the CW content, which believe it or not, for as young as we thought it was for broadcast, we, I saw an opportunity for it to be even younger on a streaming service. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got called into my CEO's office and he's like, he said the only, you know, he sat me down and he said the only uh, division of this company that loses money is our 50% equity stake in the CW. What would you do? And uh, I said, let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And I left his office and an hour later, I came back to his office and I said, um, I think we should just stream the entire network in addition to linear and I think we could probably get a lot of money for it. And I started to, it was a really tough thing to do because of the, you know, the other partner and it was Warner Brothers, which is owned by Time Warner, which is the same company that owned HBO and HBO was in this PR battle about, you know, who's the king of subscription television. And at the time it was HBO. And then number two was Showtime. Uh, there was a really tough um, to convince the head of Warner Brothers at the time that we should be doing this. Um, but we were a partner and the network was losing money. And after working really hard with some really incredibly smart people, and that was really when I, you know, you know, Ted Sarandos and Cindy Hall, like, you know, at that point, you know, you know, when Ted was, you know, the content officer, you know, nine years ago, I mean, he was in the trenches of all of these deals. And Cindy Holland is brilliant. And, you know, I learned a lot about the way that they valued product and I got a little bit of insight to it. And, and we worked hard and we took it to marketplace and we ended up, you know, doing a deal that was worth ended up being billions and it saved the network and which is good for broadcast it was good for the parent companies and ultimately was really good for netflix and i knew that it worked and it was good because that we divvied it up into two windows we had a hulu window which was like within one week and then the catalog all went in an output deal to netflix right because time warner had a stake in hulu at that time That's they a, did yeah. so for them it was really um, lucrative. Actually, I don't know if they bought in, at the time we did the first deal, I don't think Time Warner had a stake in it. It was only later mm -hmm. on they bought into it. But the real proof of the pudding is when the deal came available, Netflix bought the entire, both windows. And it became a really hairy negotiation because Hulu, you know, out, you know, they thought they were so smart and thought they, you know, could buy the first window for less money than they paid for it. There were no other players for it. They were wrong. And, you know, Netflix eventually bought it out, and I think they did pretty well with it. And obviously the partners did well with it. Mm -hmm. And that, as I recall, I mean, that especially for that time, that was a very unique deal. Netflix didn't have any kind of, like, broader all-you-can-eat deal from, not all, sorry, at the time that was a pretty unique deal for Netflix. I can't remember them having a kind of a broad output deal that was non-exclusive. I mean, the, the, all those things were just seemed like anathema to them, but you got it done. I got it done, and, and to their credit, they had the confidence from the data and just 
intuition and they and again it's like yes these you know netflix back then it, there was a lot of really really there was a lot of intuition that was used other than just raw numbers and i really credit you know ted and cindy early on for seeing the value in it and stepping up for it mm-hmm. it was definitely it was definitely um a big a big certainly a big commitment for them mm-hmm. but but showed and it is so interesting that for all the bazillions spent on original content when you look at the numbers every week what drives <laughs> fbi and law and order and you know it's it's the it's the the tried and true workhorses of broadcast tv gray's anatomy which is why, why part of my model right now is doing shows that are cost efficient listen they're still going to buy big ticket products. You know, I saw, you know, some of the deals that were, you know, announced that Apple bought something for a lot of money. And, you know, and, and there's no stopping that. They're big drivers for new subscribers. They're highly marketable. And they're, it's great television. So there has to be some balance there. And I think for the most part, that's where I come in, although I have a, I'm doing a, a series called Big Men about the story of Will Chamberlain. And... Um, Bill Russell, and it came to me through um, Ideal Entertainment and a couple of other, two really, really talented um, writers. And they're like, you know, the most knowledgeable about the relationship between these um, two athletes. And that's going to be like a a winning time. You know, it's going to be a big time scripted series. Um, And we're going to have a really big name attached to it that's going to be announced shortly and as a star or showrunner as someone attached to it who is a big athlete who is a brand name athlete in the nba you know played in the nba and then um shortly afterwards we're going to have a a really big name showrunner and this will be something that hopefully i'll read about and others will read about you know what we got for it um, and, and hopefully it's something that will be award-worthy, because I think it will, because it's not just the story of these two phenomenal athletes, you know, Bill Russell, whose number was just retired, and sure. Will Chamberlain, this legendary Laker, but also is really about the backdrop of the civil rights movement. And, mm. and if you look at all, you know, some of these stories are just so meaningful to being told in a different way. Um, you know, uh, Hulu just started um, 1619, and... There's just some great stories, and this is a great way, if you saw the movie 42, it was a great way to tell the story about equality in baseball. This is going to tell it in basketball with two legends, and I couldn't be more excited about it. I'm beyond excited about the success of Judy Justice because it really demonstrates that this business model works. Uh, The audience shows up. They're showing up on a different platform. The streaming service and Amazon Freebie values it. They see the value in it. um, The renewal is the best validation of it all. And really just showing that this huge talent, the biggest talent in all of television, could dominate on another platform. Let me ask you, do you see the same kind of viewing? Is it appointment viewing? Do people come once a day? Is it a check-in kind of thing? Because uh, Judy Justice airs on Freebie, and it was definitely one of the cornerstones when that when Freebie launched. I will tell you that people are watching it at all hours of the day, um, and if they watch one episode, 
they watch most. Um, it's just has excellent, you know, I don't want to say, you know, Amazon's very proprietary about their data, but I mean, and the biggest validation is the renewals. Sure. Um, but people are watching it all different times, times a day, and I think they enjoy being able to have it on demand. Is there, are you thinking down the road in a couple of years you will package the, package those episodes and find another window for them? Is that the, is that the plan? The plan is absolutely to do that. Conversations are beginning. Uh, the question is the time, the right timing mm -hmm. of it to really maximize um, the opportunity. But the business model for traditional syndication has got to change. And, the, you know, it's, that business is just beaten down and it, it's really got to change. Um, I've been a little bit poking around the marketplace and, and it's in desperate need of innovation. And I think I could certainly do it on the content side. And I think it's just going to require some of the people in the leadership positions on the broadcast side to be open to innovation, be opening to windows, because, you know, you just can't run, you know, you, you see these stations running news after news after news. That's not the answer. The news is being constantly repeated through the day, and it's not... The news isn't exactly an exclusive product. It's on every single station in the marketplace. And so they have to be able to find a way to bring audiences back to broadcast to help their news do ratings, to help their seven to eight to do ratings, to help their prime time. Um, and it, so there are all these time periods available, shows being canceled left and right. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing third and fourth runs of the same show in in, in a schedule. It seems that it seems, seems like they you know kind of sad. Are, times I look at it and just feel like they're giving up. I mean, it's really you know, I, someone said to me, "Oh, we just want you know daytime for free," and I understand that what there's people have budgets and they have financing issues. But at the end of the day, I think the conversation begins with how can I get the biggest audience in a time period. Right now, reruns of Judge Judy, which is syndicated by CBS, mm -hmm. is like the highest rated number in syndication. There's like six million views, viewers a day in reruns. Does that challenge, I mean, that's got to be a challenge for what you're doing with Judy Justice, because in, in some sense, she competes with herself. I view it actually as helpful. Hmm. I think that the viewers love Judy. They welcome more of her. Um, our money is more than, you know, we, the prize money that we give away to the winning plaintiff uh, is significantly higher than what is on that show. And there are episodes that I haven't seen before on broadcast. So it's fresh content, and the proof is in the pudding. We know that they love, love her. So I think it's just further validation that any product that Judy puts her name on, by the way, I think for... Anything that she endorses or produces or creates will have high value in broadcast syndication. There is a fascinating and incredibly well-reported new book out called Unscripted, The Epic Battle for a Media Empire that really recounts all of the drama among Sherry Redstone, Leslie Moonves, Philippe Doman, many other characters. Have you read the book? Do you have any thoughts? Actually, even more so than have you read the book. Do you have any thoughts? I'd, I, I won't ask you to go into the individual gory details, and some of them are pretty unpleasant. But do you have any thoughts about like what all of that cost? 
CBS, a great, you know, the, a great organization, what all of that cost Viacom, which was an organization that was already having some troubles. But any thoughts about sort of the opportunity cost of all of that personal craziness? And, and in fairness, bad behavior. Um, I'll take... I mean, my thoughts are is that there was really a way to make it work better than how I see that company today. And, you know, it's not just about assets, it's about people. You know, you're, it's like baseball, you gotta put the, you know, if you got a, a guy playing second base who's batting 260 with 12 home runs and you replace with a guy batting 300 and with, with Derek Jeter, um, then you got to put the right players in the right position to, ha to having a to having to having a winning team, and so what the initial intentions were from the start in terms of what the the, the team was going to look like, I think it was you know putting aside what the correct valuation was, what the correct number was to the, the Viacom shareholder and the CBS shareholder, putting aside those numbers and what the fair numbers were for um you know for the merger i think that there was really um a great opportunity there to build a great media company and putting these company back together you have to also remember i was there when the company was one i was there right. you know you know i'm 27 years in between both companies right. so i think that opportunity was 2000 there. to 2006 they both yeah. About five years. It was yeah. really actually not that long, but then they busted up in January of 2006. Right. And so, you know, the team, and we were, you know, I think, you know, I was part of the diligence team. There was definitely a goal to find a way to make it work and make it work correctly. And, and there were strategies. In my head, I was, I was up all night thinking about ways to help save the cable networks and how to drive more revenue there and how do we build CBS All Access up with potentially some of the Nickelodeon content. I mean, there was definitely a plan and a strategy. And I think the key stakeholders who I worked with, we were up day and night thinking like, this is going to happen eventually. And how are we going to like really build a one great company for Shari Redstone? And, you know, sadly, because of you know, the, event, the events that happened, you know, the, the lawsuit first and then the fallout of, of, of less, none of that came to be, which kind of, you know, and it was exhausting. It was an exhausting time because we were paralyzed, as I, as I said earlier, during this period of time of transition. Thanks for listening. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners. Please go to Variety.com and sign up for our free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Oh. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.